Hello and welcome back to part two of our 2021 year review by the Off the Crossbar podcast with Regan Walsh and as ever Brad Morris. And now we are into the summer months of 2021 and this summer was oh, great, wasn't it? Yeah, just when you thought we couldn't have gone higher than what it was back in 2018, if you really remember that one yeah. nicely. Yeah, this one just took it another level. Yeah, I mean, we've had the Euros, we had the Cup of America, we had fans in great numbers at games. Full stadiums. <laughs> we had the transfer window of all transfer windows as well in this part two special. Maybe for you. <laughs> um, yes, uh, we'll get onto the transfers and that later, but let's kick off with the Euros. What a month that was from the 11th of June to the 11th of July. I mean, it was our busiest month in terms of creating content. Not podcast-wise, we decided to bin that off entirely and just go straight to the YouTube, which yes. was alright. Pretty nice for us, but mm. yeah, that whole month was fantastic. Thank God that the oh. tournament was delayed and not just cancelled entirely. Euro 2020, yeah. 2021. Oh, it, it didn't disappoint, did it? No, it was fantastic. Mm, up, there I mean, with, up there amongst some of the best football tournaments that definitely probably one of the best ones in my lifetime just for the moments that yeah. happened but then again it's coming it's up just, against the last world cup yeah i mean everything about this euros oh it was phenomenal i just got goosebumps being able to watch three games a day <laughs> during the group stages then we had all the great storylines switzerland going uh as far as they did Denmark being the underdogs of the tournament and going quite far Italy being the surprise to the English media and certainly us throughout this tournament as well well I don't know you see this was weird because if you'd done the research so everyone was saying Italy wants to watch they've got a bit of a run right now keep an eye on them and it was only then when you watched them you went oh they are actually they look pretty good yeah and the way Mancini got them set up throughout that whole Euros. Honestly, they became like my team to watch because I just wanted them to win so bad because they just looked phenomenal. Yeah, they did. There's obviously many reasons. I feel like one of those as well, you can say with tournament was it's hosting as well because this was a tournament mm. where they did it all over Europe. Is that the wisest mm. idea of a global pandemic? Well, who knows? We're still going to do it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously that was all planned pre-pandemic and all that. Um, but it, to be fair, I don't think it really disappointed. Like having it across the twelve cities, in the end, because no, there's positives and negatives to that. Obviously, the positive is it's a lot of different countries they go to. That's pretty good. Makes mm. a, a bit of a difference. But the negative was if it was your country. You're gaining a massive advantage out of that. Yeah, that was probably one of the key things that many people noticed. Obviously, England played all but like one or two of their games at Wembley. Played every single game except for the Ukraine quarterfinal. Yeah. Um, which was that in the Netherlands? It was Italy. Italy, yes, in Rome. Um. Obviously, the sad bit of this year is was the Christian Eriksen situation, where he unfortunately 
um, collapsed on the pitch for Denmark. But the fantastic first reactions from uh, teammate and captain Simon Kiel and the medical staff, which was fantastic. And obviously, he's gone on to make a recovery uh, and should be playing football hopefully again in 2022 if things go well. Um, but yeah, and then just everything else about that year is, I mean, people got believing in England being able to win a trophy for the first time since 66. Yeah, I feel like I have to emphasise that's people, except for Egan Walsh. <laughs> yeah, that's why I didn't say us, I said people, because I never believed, don't worry. Go and watch the YouTube clips, this man was not feeling it. Oh god, no. <laughs> I don't know. I was, I, well, I as was much so as I attempted England. to get him on side, it just wouldn't happen. No, I'm a realist. That's why I know England aren't going to do it at a major tournament. You can as take Southgate and still like England. No. <laughs> when, I'm, I'm back to um, hating Southgate we... again. But <laughs> just... <laughs> I never stopped hating him. Uh, but yeah, that whole tournament, oh, it was just. Oh, beautiful i mean spain started off the tournament poorly but then somehow became like really good in it at times and they just dominated every game in terms of possession watch spain back it's a weird one because they were always that good they just became more clinical as the tournament went on yeah i think that was probably the main thing that at the time everyone was like spain aren't actually that good because they're creating about 15 20 chances a match and they're just scoring like one or two goals. Yeah, it was the second Morata actually started finding the net, they found their stride. It was how did we we asked to start with the Euros? How did we not mention that one day where it was just endless madness? If you remember oh, that one in the last sixteen. It was like France getting knocked out by Switzerland. That was Spain. on the night. It was Croatia's Spain the day, which was like, how have I forgotten this? Spain were ahead, Croatia was came it, back. Wasn't it like 5 3 in the end or something like that? Yeah. It was 3 all after, 3 all before they then went to extra time and Spain then won. And then later in the day, we saw France get beaten by Switzerland on, on penalties. Yeah, I was about to say, but no, it was on penalties. Was that the same day that Portugal got knocked out of the tournament? That's what I swear well. there was a third game that had so big, yeah. Yeah, I feel like it was the same day Portugal got knocked out and it just bonkers. And I remember watching them games, I'm like, this is just peak, peak football. And I just needed that whole day just injected into my veins for the it was rest the of the best, year. Yeah, the best day of football we'd had in such a long time because of, as we said, mm. pandemic. Yeah, and I think that day just especially for us too it just lifted us and reminded our joy of football because it was just uh, incredible to watch yeah that, it was that day that Reggie realised oh it's thank god we have a football podcast yeah um, we'll progress on to the final uh, now England getting to the we're final I mean <laughs> amazed uh, a lot of people myself included Italy being the team of the tournament getting there obviously the commotion pre-game with all the fans, which is obviously a massive disgrace to see, but no surprises with England fans. No, but it, I feel like we have to talk about that before you get to the actual game because it it was a sad end to what had been 
like a positive tournament okay. fan wise yeah apart from the Hungary situation over in Hungary yeah, yeah obviously not that I was stalking England fans specifically yeah they'd be fine and just yeah they just lost their way at the end of the, it's mm. partly a security thing as well because how could you not expect it to be like that yeah I mean it was the first major final near full capacity it was about 60 to wasn't it about 80% that for the final it got raised to I can't remember if I'm honest but yeah the whole, it was just a whole commotion that could have very easily been avoided if they just planned better yeah uh, but yeah, the final itself. Even the, I know England did lose, but it was a great game to watch. I don't know. It depends how you were watching it. I was, and I, I said I wouldn't be nervous for it, but then as it went on, it was like I'm nervous now. Mm. I've never been that nervous for Villa games. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. I would have started thinking, "Oh God, what is this?" Yeah. But um, yeah, definitely. Oh, class tournament and. Um, yeah, the final, like I said, despite England losing, was just absolutely great to see, and Italy deserved winners in the end, after looking back on that tournament. Yeah, in the end they deserved it, although it was there for us. I still fully believe it was there for us when you look at where Italy are now in December. Yeah, and also, the whole situation on the penalties as well still reeks in my mind. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It just this is it's the sad thing that it had to be three black players as well. Mm. It's just I don't even want to go over to the awful abuse they had after the no. year that Marcus Rashford had, had. He didn't deserve that. Oh, hundred percent, he didn't deserve that. I mean, that man did so much for the United Kingdom in twenty twenty and in twenty twenty one. It was. Uh, unwholeheartedly just unjust and well not just for him but the other players as well obviously you don't want to see racism being happening but uh, it was absolutely crazy to see the hate that they got um, yeah, the graffiti on the, the mural Yeah, that, that was the moment I went yeah this country can't be fixed it's just ridiculous getting that worked up over a game of football like yes you're disappointed and I'll talk about it in part three of uh, my disappointment with Man United over the this season but it, like you just don't do that like you, you, fans can get disappointed with games but and like I said I have done with Man United in the past and will always do so but I've never and gone continue to, to do so like, <laughs> yeah player hates and sending messages to all this like it it just never enters my trailer thought to do. No, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? But mm. at least with the final, we did get iconic shitousery from both Baducci <sighs> and Chiellini. Start with the Chiellini one just... first, nearly killing Bukayo Saka. <laughs> oh, nah, it was a fair challenge. Fair challenge. Why <laughs> <laughs> well, did he get sent off, did he? Could have strangled him. Poor little Bukayo, <laughs> just run past him and then he's <laughs> but uh, no I, um, fair play with Bonucci when he said it at the time I was going oh you bastard but I love you <laughs> yeah I'd be respecting just yeah <laughs> uh, one final thing on the Euros before we head over to uh, South America 
it actually proved that VAR worked that whole tournament. It was yeah, good. The tournament that made us realize, oh god, our referees are shit, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, that was the start of and English. It, it was funny, it's funny, it still it's still the, always remember because it was the the one actual error in that whole tournament. Who was the referee that caused it? It was the English one. Yep, England uh, officials on VAR. Wasn't it Anthony Taylor on VAR? I can't remember who it was, but I don't really want to go for Anthony Taylor because he handled the Ericsson stuff like brilliantly. Yes. But I don't get our referees. Why they can't just deal with VAR properly? Even now, Stop it's worse now when they've been around referees that have used it properly. Hmm. Right, let's head over to South America for uh, the Copa America and not even the tournament itself, the whole lead up to that tournament was fucking bonkers. I don't remember this filming because... So, uh, on the 20th of May, Colombia was removed as co-host amid ongoing Ah, protests against President uh, Ivan Marquez and then Argentina was removed 10 days later due to Covid issues um, high numbers and then the following day Brazil was confirmed uh, as host of the tournament which is despite funny. them also being in the same boat as Argentina at the time which is worse if not worse worse than Brazil been the worst ones of this whole pandemic because they're still led by a bloke who honestly after all this even isn't somehow charged with criminal offences it's shocking he, he actually might go down as one of the most bonkers presidents ever they, and still we to had this day, Trump he, in the last four years. Yeah, still to this day, I don't think the guy believes COVID's a thing. No, he doesn't. A hundred percent, he doesn't. He was just absolutely wild. Yeah, I don't want to go too far on it because otherwise we're going into a different mm. area. <laughs> yeah, um, tournament itself didn't get much attraction um, in England. Obviously, it's been played at the same it? time as the Euro and the time zone. Like yeah. it was like evening for us. I, mean, I got him. All, all I got was my Emmy Martinez fix, and boy, did he give me my fix. <laughs> uh, I mean, should we just talk about that um, game against uh, Colombia when he saved the whole penalty situation and the dad? This was the day the the guy became my hero. <laughs> uh, absolutely crazy! That was the Davinson Sanchez penalty, wasn't it? No, Jerry Mina. Correctly. Was it Mina? Yeah, Mina, yeah. Because I remember he was talking... Because there's no fans in there as well. He's talking, you can hear him talking smack. Oh, yeah. Mina was done, done it in a game before. Because every Barcelona is the biggest shit house in the Premier League. He just gives it back to him. And then when he saves his penalty, gives him the air thrust to end all air thrusts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Argentina obviously then going to win that game on penalties. And they win the final and give... Lionel Messi, his first international trophy. Oh, just... It was about time we got on the level of Ronaldo, weren't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was just, ah, oh, when it finally came for him, it was just beautiful. I mean, at the time, I don't know whether it still is, but it became, like, the most liked photo on Instagram, him with the Copa Amoca trophy. I don't know, I don't remember. Probably was, yeah. to be fair. It, it was nice. It just he went deserved... absolutely wild. It'd be wild if he'd ended his career somehow without any sort of international trophy. Yeah. But let's face it, he, he has to have a very strong and stable goalkeeper in there to help him win. 
you can't yeah, deny so this is the that. tournament that propelled Emmy Martinez to the top five in the world. Mm, top ten. He was top ten before that. I would say before the year, uh, the Copa America, he was definitely a top twenty keeper. But then I think he cemented himself top ten. I've got my own list of uh, top five goalkeepers which this I can good, get onto. I'm, and I've seen enough from the last few months as well to determine that he may even be top three. Mm, I don't know. But anyway, um, that debate. <laughs> yeah, so that Euros and the Cup of America, great month for football for fans to watch. Um, we now head into the transfer period, uh, transfer window. Wow, what a crazy transfer window this was! Oh, I don't know, there's so much. Can like, we which say was this the biggest, was the craziest one? transfer window ever? Yeah, just in terms of the names that were involved. Absolutely. Mm. I've uh, just remembered something as well that I forgot to add in to the Euros. Go on, I'll let you do that before we jump across. Because you know, I part one, uh, how I had the, one of the images of 2021. Mm. In this part, the Switzerland-France game gave me the best video of 2021. I can't remember it. Cast your mind back to, I believe it's Switzerland scoring. And the camera just happens to be panned to a France fan banging a drum. No. I how have you forgotten this? Because he, he celebrates like mad when France score. Mm. The camera's still on him when Switzerland equalise. And it's just, well, this is going to be very hard to describe in audio form. Because yes. they, people hopefully remember the video because. Like, he's still banging the drum as they've scored and everyone's around him shocked and he's just gone well it's under score yeah I mean that was uh, a wild game now um, but yeah onto the transfers now I mean I can't believe you don't remember <sighs> no it's completely faded my mind um, what transfers should we start on oh god should we just get well what happened in June? No, it wasn't June. July or July. Um, Jordan Sancho finally joined Manchester United after a, yeah, about just, six years of yeah, rumours. Yeah, that's the start. Jordan Sancho gets his big move. Is it safe to say he's not fully there yet? Mm, I want to say, but at the same time, what many people didn't realise, he had a slow start to last season with Borussia Dortmund, and then it was around this time of year where he actually did start to kick on for. Uh, Dortmund and then became really good so I'm still expecting good things of him and bear in mind this is his first year in England at a professional level as he never played a professional game before yeah do you feel like 2022 it has to deliver mm. um, yeah so that was good signing for United they also managed to get in Rafa Varane in this window as well I don't know whether that was late July or early August I don't know it was early August Oh, I think we're just saying transfer window now at this point. The months have gone out of yeah. the window. I mean, the fact that United... What was it, like 25 to 35 million United paid for Varane? I can't remember. I thought it was it more than that. I swear he was in the 50. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I don't know. No. We, I mean, that was an absolute steal. Uh, and then the two biggest names in the last decade of football both leave their clubs. Yeah, we'll get to... 
we'll speak about them last because I feel like we have to go on to the other big, big transfer. The most expensive British transfer ever. Ever. Occurred on the yeah. 5th of August as Jack Grealish left your Aston Villa and he headed up north to Manchester to join Pep Guardiola at the Etihad Stadium. He left to find trophies and success. Instead, he found a bench. And a poor start to his career at Manchester City in terms no, of outputs goals. I, I wouldn't say it was a bad start for him. Maybe I'm being generous. <laughs> but it's adapting to a different way. Because it's always going to be difficult when you come from a club where you yeah. are the guy and you're mm. adored by so many. And then you go yeah. to another place where you're just another guy. True. I don't think that's probably been his hardest um, changing point so far, is that from being the focal point at Aston Villa to now just another one of the 25-man squad for Guardiola and co. And obviously I don't feel for him in that, but he made a choice. Fair well, place, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, it's not the easiest decision to make. If you want success, then, yeah, you've got to leave us because we're not then anywhere near there at the moment no um, a week he later could, he could have go on talk us there though it could have helped us because of the plan that I've said we all have right mm. now we want to be up there and he was going to be like the main source to that he was going to bring players in just because of his quality people want to play with him but yeah. that's gone and we have our new vision now which looks okay hmm uh, a week later after that, Chelsea broke their uh, transfer record, bringing Romelu Lukaku back to the club for £97.5 million uh, a decade after he left Chelsea. Or first joined Chelsea, should I say. Um, not been his best of returns to English football. I don't know. He I scored think two goals in the Premier League. Lukaku What's scored two possibly? goals, did you say? I think so. In the Premier League, it's, it's a lot more than two goals. Is it? It's definitely a lot more than two goals. Honestly, I don't think he's done too bad. I think injuries have slightly been against him. Yeah. I mean, as we've said, he's clearly a very important player to Chelsea. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. He's. I mean, he is probably like he's their key man, and when he isn't there, he has. Uh, they have struggled. He scored four goals in the league for Chelsea. Yeah, I don't think that's too bad but this is a team that don't necessarily rely on the striker as important as Lukaku is like he's mm. not the highest goal scorer we saw it even from the end of the season in the middle of 2021 he it, it, Georgina is the, the most important player from the penalty spot yes um, anyway elsewhere on the transfers because Arsenal had a decent one they brought in Aaron Ramsdale many question marks over him initially when he was first purchased obviously because his last two clubs he signed for uh, they got relegated uh, but he's gone on to be Arsenal's key player this season well, yeah we went from say <laughs> they spent how much on him last couple of months later yeah he should be the England number one <laughs> yeah um they finally brought in Martin Odegaard on a permanent transfer as well after his impressive loan spell uh, at the club. That, um, that could just be something in general. Like Arsenal not only going on a 
downwards spiral to start the season, they went on an upward one. <laughs> but that's probably yeah. part of three. Mm, um, Liverpool didn't do any business, did they? Canate. Oh shit, I forgot he joined them. While he's not been my star, he's got age on his side. He's still a mm. very young defender, and he's also got the the well, what's the word the approval of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Mm. So, no, must be highly ranked then if you get God's approval, as he likes to call himself. Um, I feel like we have to get onto the big two names now, don't we? Yeah, we got it. I want to start with Cristiano. Yeah, so um, it was a crazy August for him. I mean, there was a lot of reports, this is coming towards the end of August now, that he wanted to leave Juventus. Then there's this statement he put out on his social media, like, don't believe every word you say. And he returned to training with Juventus. Did actually start in the league with them, actually. I think he played two or three games. I don't know, when you watch all enough, you go, you know, he look, doesn't look like he's enjoying it as much. Hmm. Uh, it's an understandable one for his side, but my god, in some parallel universe, he could have signed for Manchester City. Honestly, for them few days, I was like, oh shit, he's gonna go there, he's gonna go there. And then I was like, he won't go there, but he's too loyal to Manchester United, like, he wouldn't do that to Fergie. No way he would do that. I, to I, I just found it funny watching all the Man United fans going, they really don't think he'll go there. They know who they're dealing with right now. <laughs> it's Cristiano Ronaldo, he cares about them. Oh no, he does. In case some point, he yeah, does. I was just talking about fans. Obviously, he'll care about Fergie, but he don't care what Man United fans think. Mm. Um, and then obviously that forty-eight hours, twenty-four forty-eight hours, where Fabrizio Romano put out the tweet of like he's joining Manchester United. Oh, it was just a sight to behold. And genuinely, when it was announced, I had just like goosebumps all over me. It was just ah. Oh, it was so good to have him back. Yeah, and he obviously repaid that one pretty quickly. I feel like that's a get apart for a topic. But mm. we could, could at least mention the debut. Because that's in mm. our time but... Couldn't have gone any better for him, could it? His debut. No, they put him in straight from the start. No real risk in that. You're playing Newcastle, so it's not the toughest of opposition. Mm. And he ended up with that, 4-1. Yeah. Scored the first two goals. Yeah. So, can't complain about that, can you? Well, you can if you're a Newcastle fan, but... No, I mean, Man United and Cristiano Ronaldo, they can't complain about that. No, obviously not. Mm -hmm. And then we'll head back just a couple of... Two weeks before the 10th of August. The saddest day in recent Barcelona history. The day the club finished, you mean? (laughs) Yeah. Final nail in the Barcelona coffin. It was actually the start of it. No, I don't think it was. I think. Well, it was the, the st- biggest. It was the biggest blow. Yeah, and we have, of course, talking about Lionel Andreas Messi finally leaving Barcelona. A day many thought would never happen. Whilst he's still in the prime of his career, a day that, even to this day, still doesn't seem real does it uh, it it's always weird seeing him in the mm. PSG shirt but even he realised for the to keep Barcelona alive I've got to go 
yeah, there was literally nothing he could do. Even like there was obviously the rumours of him willing to take a wage cut, or some were saying, "Why can't he play free?" Because of the rules in Spain, you can't do that. And there was all this different conversations going about, but because of Barcelona's astronomical debt, he had to leave. And as much as it hurts the fans of the Blaugrana and Messi, it there was just no other way around it. No, not the fans. It is to channel their anger towards owners. Yeah, Board mainly members, not mayor. Yeah, a little bit on the port as well, considering he just tried to take their league from them. But oh yeah, true. Yeah, the whole club in a mess. Mm. And and you don't know when it's going to end, or at least no. improve. N- no, nothing uh, short term says it's going to improve. Um, but yeah, them two transfers just made that summer window the craziest one we've ever experienced. And in a way, yeah, I, I feel like it, it could still always be better. Just just because the way football is. Yeah. I mean, next summer really could be um, something interesting because both Haaland and Kylian Mbappe could be on their ways out of their clubs respectively. So that's something that could uh, make a turn for the books as well. But yeah, in terms of like big name stars, I think summer of 2021 was definitely up there with the craziest, if not the craziest window. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know where we're going now with this. <laughs> Um, what I will do is we'll bring it back to games and here in England at the 14th of August the day many many fans have been looking forward to for 12 to 18 months full fans back in stadiums again beautiful scenes as described earlier Mm. that was then again until you remember your sport villa yes I mean I was fortunate to go to one of the early games of the season and oh, it was just so good to be at a stadium. It, it just, honestly, it was just great to watch football live in the person again. And like, I didn't think I'd ever miss it in the way that I did, but oh, it was just so nice. And it's made yeah, me appreciate still... football even more. Yeah, very a lot more appreciative of it. I'm still yet to have gone to a men's game, so I uh, but my circumstances make it a bit more difficult for me. Mm. But even with well, we've gone to women's games, and it's still it's still weird. Slowly, I don't know why it feels like that. But yeah, I mean, football returning. Um, Man City have just been on fire in the league this year in the Premier League I mean just incredible um, we look like we've got a proper title race going on in the Premier League as well yeah obviously from where we're ending here with part two it start it started that way mm. obviously part three discussion we could be a bit more clearer with that yeah and Norwich are just doing what Norwich do yeah they're just, they're just there yeah um Right, September saw the return of the Champions League as well, which is, uh, this is our final part now, September. Um, Champions League football, 
always good to be back. Um, it was also the first year of the new Europa Conference League tournament, which to this day still confuses the shit out of me. Speaking of shit. <laughs> what? Where are you heading on with I, that I, one? I, I, thought, I thought you'd understand that one because the, you know, the dog shitting. Oh, yes, the, yes. Yeah. Well, that wasn't September, but I just... <laughs> that's my image now. I can't unsee that. Anyone says the Conference League, that's all I see. Mm, um, I had some very interesting it's, groups to only... This tournament's happening, and it, it still hasn't convinced me this is the most pointless tournament ever. It, it's honestly, apart from money reasons, it's the most made-up bullshit ever. Other than seeing Roma get battered by uh, the Norwegian champions... Uh, Bodo glimped. So meh. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, Spurs being Spurs, Spurs being Spurs in the tournament has been quite funny. I but mean, that's like losing. <laughs> we can laugh at Spurs in part three. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, Conference League hasn't been good. Champions League, uh, the early part of the season didn't disappoint. Threw up some interesting groups: Man City and PSG being in a group. Liverpool having probably one of the most entertaining groups with themselves Atletico, Porto and AC Milan um, Man United getting, being able to have revenge against Villarreal in the group stages and Group G being probably the most wide open group in Champions League history with the likes of Lille, RB Salzburg, Seville and Wolfsburg in one group Yeah, and if you want to hear us review all that listen to part three Yes, um, so I do think that is the end of part two. I can't think of anything else that's happened over these summer months. I feel like the Euro talk and the transfer window is suffice enough to be its own mini uh, podcast. Uh, anything else you want to finish on before we head into part three? Not that I can think of on the top of my head, but those few months were a nice cleanser. If you were yeah. to like the end of the football season, which is nice, fans back. And then we peak with the Euros and then whatever the transfer window was. Yeah, just ridiculousness on top of ridiculousness. Mm. It feels like part three, everything that's happened now towards the end of the year is just slightly stagnated. But it's still enough because we've had moments. Yeah, and you're definitely not going to miss out, uh, want to miss part three, which will be coming right your way tomorrow with more exciting talk from the pair of us but until then make sure you like and subscribe wherever you're listening to us and follow us on twitter at offtcpod and until part three it's goodbye from me and goodbye from brad see ya we'll see you soon